Hello listeners, and thanks for joining us for this edition of Corona Chronicles. If you're interested in learning more about the ways that our community is adapting in the midst of the coronavirus crisis, you're in the right place. It's your chance to better understand how the news about this pandemic may affect you and your life. You may even learn about the ways you can contribute to the greater good, and it only takes a few minutes of your time. With the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, schools across America closed their doors to face-to-face -face learning. Teachers and students were asked to continue their education through online platforms for the rest of the school year. Many students, especially high school seniors, were distraught over the loss of major milestones like prom and graduation. Chances are you heard or saw several of those stories about that. But many teachers suffered as well. In this edition of Corona Chronicles, reporter Shannon Henry sits down with a school teacher in Richland County to talk about the very real impact that virtual learning had on her and her students. So today we're here with Meredith Blocker. Hi. Could you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what your job entails? So I am a high school Spanish teacher. I teach at Blythewood High and I've been teaching for 12 years. So I teach grades nine through 12. So yeah, so I'm actually a Blythewood High School alumni. And then I think I had you for about three years mm -hmm. and I was your favorite student. Absolutely. <laughs> Except you gave the foreign language award away to somebody else and I still hold a grudge about that. Oh no. We'll do some sort of like award for best former student that didn't get an oh, award. Thank you. <laughs> so first I just want to ask, um, what was your experience transitioning from face-to-face -to, -face to just completely online interactions? What were some of the struggles and what were some of the positive things that came out of it? So for me personally, it was not great. I am a very social person. I really enjoy my job. I like being in the classroom and interacting with students every day. So the transition for me has not been easy. I have not enjoyed online learning and this whole virtual teaching. I'm ready to be back in the classroom. A positive? If you can think of any. Some of the kids' grades have really improved because I'm being way more lenient with <laughs> how I grade things. I know as a student myself in college, trying to take these classes online was definitely difficult for me. So what can you gauge about your students' reactions? Do they seem to prefer it or... Um, no, I don't think, I think a lot of them do not prefer it. I've had emails from multiple saying the transition's been hard, it's been stressful. The transition was really abrupt too, right? Yeah, we, um, so we were going into a long weekend. We had class like normal on that Sunday of the long weekend. We got an email and the governor put out the release saying that we were going to be going, um, I guess through the end of March. Then we got an email from our principal that said, come up with a plan to get us through these 10 days of school while we're out. All so you thought it was just going to be like a short term kind of thing? Like mm -hmm. you would eventually come back? Yep. We were all hopeful that that would be it, but obviously that's not how it played out at all. So did you feel unprepared being asked to stay home for the long term? Oh God, yes. Yes. No, I don't. I, you took my class, so you know how conversational it is, how yes. interactive <laughs> it is. Like we don't do a ton with like, online it is very much in person and it is it's just a ton of conversation like I've said this multiple times I don't feel like I'm teaching I feel like I am assigning and assisting and it's it's hard 
So what I want to kind of transition into is I know that the homework gap has always been a problem. And so for any listeners that don't know what that is, can you just give a short explanation? From what I understand, it's kind of the disparity between kids who have internet access at home who are able to complete stuff easily with devices versus the students who cannot due to, you know, financial resources or what have you. And I think that this is just going to further the gap that we have. Has the homework gap intensified? And then how have you tried to maybe combat that? I sent out like a survey at the very beginning of e-learning. I think I sent it out on Tuesday just saying, hey, do you have access? Because so in Richland 2, all the kids have devices. They have their Chromebooks. I emailed and said, do you have access to the internet? Are you going to be able to access our assignments? And every single one of my students replied saying yes. For my kids, it hasn't been a big deal. But for like, I know there are a handful of kids. We even had teachers. Like one of my great teacher friends didn't have internet at her home. Oh my gosh. she, She was trying to save money. And that was one thing that she was like, I don't need internet at my house. And she got one of the district hotspots and it's awful. Like it, it ran out of bandwidth. So like, imagine these kids who have taken this home. It's I never fact. thought about if teachers didn't have internet, but that mm-hmm. sounds even more of a struggle. Yeah, I mean, you you can look up what some of our salaries are, yeah. and it's not great. There are teachers who are, you know, single parents who are struggling as well. And so how have you felt, because I know there's a lot of pressure put on teachers to make sure their students are continuing to be educated properly, so how do you deal with the stress and the pressure of that? That's a good question. I think I've just been checking in on my kids a lot. Like, is there anything you need from me? Like, I had one student who hasn't turned in a lot of work. And I know, like, she struggled with anxiety before we left. So we came up with, like, a schedule and what work she needs to do first and what work she can actually say I'm actually not going to do. A term that I've heard a few times is grace before grades, you know, and just to understand that they're all in, in different situations and scenarios and know that you have to kind of meet these kids where they're at with this and and work with them. So I know another concern is about students that are going to be graduating soon and going into college. So do you think these students, when they go into college, will they be well prepared? Yeah, I think they'll be fine. In a sense, like the playing field's kind of leveled out. Like it's not like just South Carolina was out. All across the United States, kids were missing certain key aspects of instruction that they just didn't get. And overall, I think it's going to be okay. So lastly, I want to ask, what do you see for the future of education and teaching? I think that's really unknown. I have no idea. I'm concerned a little bit because we have had all this time apart and summer slide is pretty much what happens every year. The kids go off for summer, they play video games, they don't do any schoolwork, and they kind of regress just a little bit. So you come back in the fall, you've got to build them back up. And I know the State Department is trying to come up with funds and resources to try to help kind of mitigate any of that. But again, I think, you know, we're all going to be a little bit behind and we're all going to have to realize that next year is going to be different and we're going to have to just kind of monitor and adjust and figure out what we need to do to make sure we get everybody to where they need to be. Do you think there'll be any long-term changes with like class size or, you know, health procedures? I, you know, a big concern that I know I have and a handful of other teachers have is that we're going to be expected to not only teach in person, but then also teach online at the same time, Mm -hmm. which is two completely separate jobs that are both full-time jobs. 
I feel, I know a lot of teachers probably feel overworked and overwhelmed. So what advice can you give them in order to look forward to, to the future? Like, no, you are making a difference and that your work is not in vain and everything we do, you know, it is for a reason, but also some advice is like, we need to realize when we need to be able to say no. If things are too much and we can't do it, like we have to be able to all stand together and say like, this isn't what's in the best interest of students. This isn't what's going to be good for us mentally. Yeah, I think that's a powerful statement. I think that's important to remember. To stay up to date on changes in South Carolina's education, go to ed.sc.gov. I'm Shannon Henry, and thanks for listening. Corona Chronicles provides in-depth coverage of news and issues in our community and is designed to serve the public interest. It's produced through a partnership between USC's Honors College, the School of Journalism and Mass Communications, and the Garnet Media Group. For a full transcript of today's episode, go to www.garnetmedia.org and look for Corona Chronicles. Thanks for joining us. And before we sign off, here's a message for you. We all know a good party gets the heart pumping. A chance to see your friends again, have a good time. But what happens when your good time puts someone else at risk? Healthcare workers risk their own lives to save ours. Since April 9th, more than 9,000 have tested positive for COVID-19 across America. The choice is yours, Gamecocks. Will it be another Monday night out or a movie night in? Stay in and help stop the worst from happening. Hashtag I pledge Columbia.